0: Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Good morning. It is good to see you. It's good to be together. Uh, Been away for a couple of weeks and I've really missed you guys, actually. You know, we're traveling a little bit. Sherry and I were um, at a conference last week for church planters, and we served on this panel about mental health in the church, and kind of on my profile uh, on this little conference thing was a link to Beacon's website. So lots of random people just started clicking on the link and learning about the church. I mean, it was in Texas, so they won't be visiting or anything. But uh, they were asking about you guys, and I got to talk about you and all of the amazing things God's doing here. So all that to say, I missed you, and I'm glad to, to be back. So, who among here, uh, sitting here, uh, is part of the roadie team here at Beacon? Can you raise your hands? I'm seeing if you just put them right up there. Okay, good. Yes, awesome. Yes. So the roadies are the one. So, w- what time do the roadies get here in the morning? Someone just shouted out. Six, six a.m. The roadies show up here, and uh, you know, I was walking around and I've seen them set up. Been here in the morning as well. And I was walking around and looking at just all of the precision of the things that are set up in this room. Like the way these lights are like the same distance apart and the way the curtains ring. Oh, the the spatial reasoning that's necessary to set up these chairs is like mind-boggling because it is like perfect symmetry, the angles, I don't know. It's amazing. And and all of that work that the roadies put in um, to set this room up is... Creating the conditions, creating the space for us to be able to come together and draw near to God together. Yes? We can give them a round of applause because, man, we love you guys. We appreciate you so much, so much. So, there's something to that. There's something to this idea of um, creating the conditions, creating the space for movement to happen. Um, We have been in this series uh, called Soundtracks, drawing from this book uh, that was written by John Acuff. It's been a good series, right? Uh, it's been challenging. We've been thinking through a lot of really important things. Um, we've been working through, like, what are the soundtracks that are ringing around in our minds? How do we identify unhealthy challenge soundtracks? Asking them if they're true, if they're helpful, if they're kind. And if not, talking about retiring them, replacing them, and repeating. And we've been gathering around a couple of verses in particular in scripture. Uh, one of them in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we demolish arguments and every pretension that's Sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Another verse that's been really meaningful to me throughout this journey of, of unpacking these soundtracks is in Romans chapter 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect Well, so if you've been journeying, we've been journeying together. I know a lot of us have been working on this. And why? It's because we want freedom from sort of the tyranny of these unhealthy soundtracks that uh, seem to resonate within our minds over and over again. Let me go back to that that previous verse. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians. Does it say that we take captive every thought and we bury it? That's not what it says, right? It says that we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Now, if you have been trying to do that and you have been not experiencing the progress that you want, I understand. And I think that probably the person sitting next to you understands too because we are all journeying through this together. Uh, If you have been trying to do this and you've been experiencing some success, but it doesn't feel like it's lasting success, I understand. I am right with you. And I can guarantee the person next to you is too. Because we are journeying through this together as a church family. But I will say this. Why are we finding it difficult? And it begs that question. Why are we finding it difficult? And it's largely because we just don't have the power to do this in any sustainable way. But church, I have gospel for you. I have good news for you in that respect. And that is that the power to do this, the power to change the soundtracks in our minds, does not come from within you. And in fact, the power to change the soundtracks in our minds, if you're a follower of Jesus, the power to do that is actually on you. It is actually in you. It actually flows through you, but it does not originate with you. And in a way, that kind of like, it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off. It takes a little pressure off of the guilt and the shame that we carry around. about why are not we having any lasting success with this? Now... To retire and to replace and to repeat, to get rid of these unhealthy soundtracks and replace them with ones that the Lord would have us hear. Uh, It requires something that happens on the inside. It requires transformation. Transformation. There's this word that we don't use that much in regular life, but it's found in the Bible many, many times. In the New Testament, it's this Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. And you see it over and over again in the scriptures. Think caterpillar to butterfly. The the, the metaphors that Jesus and the apostles would use with respect to this concept of transformation had, were were often they were agrarian um, metaphors, right? They had to do with farming and planting, and we're going to take a look a little bit at that today. Robert did a great job last week helping us see how every reaction that we have, every feeling that we have is a revelation that can help move us closer to the image of Christ, Right? So uh, how many of you guys recognize this image? Uh Yeah, right? Yeah, I hate when I turn on my car and I see that little check engine light. You see that light come on, you're like, no, I don't, you don't know what it means or what it's going to cost you. Okay, when you turn on your car and you see that light, is the problem with your car the fact that the light is on on your dashboard? Is that the problem with your car? No. At mini service earlier, someone said yes, which I guess I can understand because you just want the light to go away, right? (laughs) But um, the problem is not that there's a light on your dashboard. The light on the dashboard is an indicator that there's something going on under the hood, yeah? And and that's kind of what Robert was getting at last week when he was talking about how um, every reaction that we have, every feeling that we have, it's a revelation. It's a check engine light. It tells us about what's going on under the hood. And these untrue soundtracks that resonate in our minds, they're telling us something about what's going on under the hood. So we're going to take the baton from where Robert left off, and we're going to look to one of these passages from which he drew this image of Christ's language that brings these concepts together. We're going to kind of park in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you've got like a Bible or a device and you want to turn to it, today would be a good day to do that. If not, no big deal. The verses will be on the screen. But today would be a good day to do that, because there's a lot of context around what we're reading that, you, that I invite you to take a look at. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. Let's take a look at this. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, the Lord is the Spirit. Let's stop there for a second. We we journeyed through 1 Corinthians, all of us together, like the whole book. We did every verse. Do you remember and did you notice, like every time when Paul would talk about um, the Lord, who it is that he's referring to, he would most often be referring to Jesus, right? He would talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Christ, he would say. Here, it's the Lord is Who? It's the spirit. He's realizing and he's acknowledging that the Lord is the spirit. He's referring to the spirit here, a person. So, you know, don't think Star Wars. Well, think Star Wars because Star Wars is awesome. But don't think Star Wars as it relates to this. He's referring to a person who has a personality who embodies the character of God. And he he goes on, he says that we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed. Okay, real quick. There are two participants in this transformation process, right? There is the Lord, the Spirit, and then there's who else? There's us. There's we all, right? There's the Lord, the Spirit, and there's we all, right? Right? So this, part, this partnership requires two participants, even if the power for the transformation comes from one of them. So does anybody know what this is called? What is one of these things called? Does anybody know? Just shout it out. A rickshaw. Okay, so you're on the right track. So, so it's called a pedicab. Now that I say it, you're like, oh, yeah, a pedicab. I couldn't figure out what it's called, but I had this image in my mind. I was Googling, like, bike rickshaw or, like, bike with cart on the back that carries people. Like, I, I couldn't come up. It's a pedicab, okay? I, I had a hard time finding a picture of a happy pedicab driver. I got this guy, and then this was the closest I could get. He's kind of indifferent about the fact that he's riding his pedicab. Okay, the, the point is this. The the driver of this pedicab, he's the one who's moving it, okay? But if you look on this picture, there's a couple of passengers. They look pretty happy, too, for the most part. Um, They played a role in this, too. The passengers in this pedicab... Their role was to make this decision to step into the pedicab, to sit down, obviously to get quite comfortable with a blanket, and then to put their trust in the person who was riding this thing. And it was his legs. It was the power of the legs of the person who was driving this pedicab that moved the cab forward and and got them to where they were going. So too is this partnership between the Lord, the Spirit, and we all. That's referred to in this 2 Corinthians passage. St. Augustine famously said, Without God, we cannot. And without without us, God what? Will not. Yes. So what is the Spirit's role? And what is the role of we all? What is our role in all of this? Well, we'll start with this. The Spirit's role is to change us from the inside out. The Spirit's role is to change us from the inside out. let's go back to our passage. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. All right, just a little background here about what's going on. Paul is hearkening back to this somewhat unusual story from the Old Testament involving Moses. You might be familiar with it. Moses is is going up and down this mountain to meet with the Lord, the Lord in this form of a a cloud. And he comes back with the tablets, with the Ten Commandments. Every time he goes up and down this mountain, every time he goes and meets in the presence of the Lord, his face is transformed, the scriptures say. He comes down and his face is, is bright, shining white. And the people, they can't even look at it. He just, he looks different. Something happened. And he would cover his face with a veil because there was too much for the people to look at. And uh, every time he'd go up, he'd come back changed. Now, just, there's a lot to this. But there's just one thing that I'm going to have us grab onto this morning, which is this. In that story, there's only one person who was able to go up the mountain and be in the presence of God and have his face transformed and all that stuff. There's only one person. It was Moses. Nobody else. Everybody else was waiting. Now in contrast to that, let's come back to our passage here in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Where in the verses before where we are now, Paul starts to compare sort of the relationship between Moses and the glory of God. And the relationship of all of us and the glory of God. And he says, now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom for all of us. And he uses that freedom language because, he's, like I said, he's hearkening back to this story where Moses had just delivered God's people from bondage and slavery in Egypt to freedom. And he's saying that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's the Spirit of the Lord, the person, the power, and the presence of God. Not a force, a person. And where he is, there is freedom. And look at what he goes on to say from there. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. This word contemplate is like a great word. It's, it's, um, you know, it would have been referring to, so we talked about this a little bit when we did 1 Corinthians, where in the city of Corinth, one of their main industries, um, their main exports were these bronze mirrors that they would, um, that they would, Build in the city and they would sell to the entire region. The people reading this, they would have understood this word contemplate kind of refers to that metaphor. This idea of staring into this mirror, to, to, to looking, to, to re- like reflecting what it is that is in this mirror. And as we do that, as we stare and reflect upon the glory of God, this passage says, we are being transformed. We are being transformed. This is another great word. Greek has a lot better verbs than we have in English. And this is a verb in the Greek that we actually don't have this form in the English. It's kind of this progressive form of the verb that that somehow communicates something that has happened, that is happening, and that it will continue to happen. It's this process of being transformed. So as we contemplate God's glory, we are being transformed. We are being transformed from the inside out by the power of the Spirit. And this passage says, with ever-increasing glory. It's something that's happening over time. It's ongoing. There's a theologian by the name of Gordon Fee. He actually just passed away a couple of weeks ago. He said it like this. He said, through Christ and by the Spirit, we are being transformed. So as to bear the likeness for which We were intended, who you were created to be at the beginning. One takes the Spirit lightly at great risk, for herein lies the glory that by the Spirit we not only come to know God, but we come to live in his presence in such a way as constantly to be renewed. New soundtracks, as constantly to be renewed into God's image, that the transformation is happening from the inside out. And that is what changes the soundtracks toward what is true and toward what is helpful and toward what is kind. So I would encourage you with this, family, know this, know this. The Spirit of God himself, the person of the Holy Spirit, is doing his role in you over time to change those soundtracks, over time. To talk about this in a moment, and uh, you hear that, and you're like, "Man, that sounds good! Like being changed by the Spirit, that sounds great." But to me, it also sounds kind of like meta, doesn't it? It's this idea that just kind of exists out in the cosmos somewhere. And I would say one thing real quick: if you want to see what the glory of God looks like, what it what it feels like, look around in this community. That when you see People loving you in these supernatural ways. When you experience the love and the generosity and the kindness of a brother or sister in Christ. When they bring you a meal when you're, when you're not well. When they ask you how you're doing. The, the, the warmth of an embrace when you've been having a hard week. That as you experience those things, you are experiencing the transformation of God. The glory of God in people being revealed through them and to you. We see it in our world. We see God renewing all things through his people in his world. And most of all, we look to Jesus, the embodiment of this person that uh, we are becoming as he walked on this planet. But all this comes to life even more when we see how the Spirit's role interacts with our role. The Spirit's role is to change us from the inside out. So what is our role? Our role is to create the conditions in our lives for the Spirit to do His work of transforming us. To create the conditions in our lives for the Spirit to do His work of transforming us. In the words of Jesus, Our role is to remain in him. Our role is to abide in him. And that language, these ideas of remaining in him and abiding in him, they permeate so much of what Jesus says um, that we read about in the Gospels. But one of the places where it really comes to life is in John chapter 14 and 15. And in John chapter 14, Jesus starts to talk a lot about how he is going to send the spirit, the advocate, a person, not a force, a person. The same person that was on him and in him and working through him that empowered everything that he did. That he would be sending that person to be on us and in us and transforming us and working through us. And he promises all of that. And then we find ourselves in John chapter 15 where he says this. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you, uh, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. There's that word again. Same word that we were talking about before with the glory and Moses and unveiled faces and all that stuff. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain, that word, if you, if you turn to it now, or you look at it when you get home, in this little paragraph, in this little sentiment of what Jesus communicates, that word remain shows up over and over, like ten times in one little communication. That's a lot of repetition. And the word remain is this word in Greek, the word meno. It's this idea of like living in that place, of st- staying in that place, locked in, of continuing to be present, of becoming one with something, to remain there. And when he talks about this idea of remaining in him as being the vine and us being the branches, it's drawing our strength, drawing the nutrients like a branch does from a a vine. You, You know, Fruit. He starts to use, like I said, he loves these agrarian examples, and I think for a couple of reasons. One, it's because fruit doesn't cause itself to be produced. An apple doesn't like an apple tree doesn't like push out and somehow wish an apple to come out of it. The nutrients that come from the vine into the branches they bear fruit, and that process it takes time. And I think that's the reason why Jesus and the apostles they love these agrarian metaphors, because it takes time. Fruit is the natural byproduct of a vine. So, so Paul actually picks up on Jesus's agrarian metaphor here in this famous passage in Galatians chapter 5, right, where he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Against these things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, it is easy to take a look at this as he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit and think of it as a list of things that we are being asked to do, right? But look at this closely as, as Paul is extrapolating Jesus's metaphor about vines and branches and fruit. Look at this closely. He doesn't say like to be loving and be joyful and be peaceful and be forbearing or Whatever the word is, patient, really is easier to say, right? It's not about doing those things, though we are called to do those things. What he's talking about here is the fruit that comes, the character that is built within us. There's only one command in this passage, and it's not about being loving, joyful, or peaceful. The only command is what? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Why? So that we can create the conditions for the spirit to do its work in you and in me to transform us from the inside out. To change the soundtracks from the inside out. Well, okay. So the spirit has a role to transform me. That feels kind of meta. Uh, Though I'd like to wrap my hands around my head around it. And then there's us. Um, We're supposed to be abiding and remaining and letting fruit bear from us. It sounds good. I think I get it, but that sounds kind of meta as well. So I think there's an extent to which it does beg the question how do we abide in Christ? How do we remain in this vine? How do we create the conditions? In our lives for the Spirit to be the one that does this work in and through us. And Robert touched on this a bit last week. I would say that it includes a lot of things. But I think it, it at least includes four things that I'd like to talk about. One, learning. And we're doing it right now. We're learning together right now as a family. We're, we're under God's word. We're letting God's word write a new story in our minds. We're being shaped by that. Taking our narrative and rewriting it into a new one. And it is so important for us to let, the, let our mind's eye be reshaped by the power of God's word. Amen? That that there are so many opportunities to do that. We have that here together. There are discipleship classes this week in your small groups, the incubator, with groups of friends, perhaps above all with just you in your favorite place in your house on a quiet morning with just you and God's word. saying, God, let your word reshape my mind. Let me learn from you. Another way is through practice. Um, through training. So did anybody in this room run the New York City Marathon last week? No? Oh, yes, we have. I got it. I got it. Okay. Yes, we got it. I mean, come on, right? That's awesome. All right. How, how, about, how about run a marathon like in your life? A few more. few more. Okay, cool. Uh, so I had two good friends that just ran the New York City Marathon last week. And um, they, we kind of journeyed with them a little bit as they were, they were doing that. They didn't run the race by trying. They didn't just show up Sunday morning at the New York City Marathon and say, you know what, let me try to run this thing. If they had, I think they would have run three or four miles and they would have passed out. I would have run like a half a mile and then I would have passed out, right? It didn't come by trying. It came by training. The decision that they made was I'm going to put on my sweats and uh, I'm going to step out the door. And on my first day of my first week, I'm going to run half a mile, and for my first week I'm going to run a mile, and my second week I'm going to run two miles, and my third week I'm going to run three miles until I all, all of a sudden I'm running 10 miles, and 20 miles, and 26 miles. And the choice that they made was to just start moving. The the change that happened inside of them, the change that happened to their muscles and their joints and the strength that came that empowered them to be able to run longer and longer distances, they didn't wish that change into place. They trained and the transformation took place. And it's not that different here. That we are not called to try, we are called to train in the power of the Spirit. Dallas Willard famously said that the gospel is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. The training is not just one decision like, hey, I want to change the soundtracks in my mind. It's not one decision. It is a thousand small decisions throughout the course of your day. And that's all our days are consisting of, right? Every day, today too. Every one of our days consists of a thousand small decisions. And being aware of what we're feeling and aware of each of those decisions is how we begin to practice. We begin to train. We begin to create the conditions for the Spirit to change us. Okay, three, community. That's us right here. That is the family of God that we surround ourselves with. It's this social aspect, the influences in your life. In the words of the New Testament, it is spurring one another on. It's like, come on. It's helping each other out. You can do this. The Spirit is at work in you. You have the power of God. You have the wind at your back. It is us saying that and whispering that to each other. And as we do that, family, as I do that for you and you do that for me, we create the conditions for the Spirit to do His work in your life and in my life and in the life of us as a community. Yes? And finally, I'll close with this. This notion of resting in Christ Jesus had this profound profound invitation in Matthew chapter 11 where he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Eugene Peterson, in a famous paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, he framed it like this. He said, come to me. This is Jesus' words, a paraphrase of Jesus' words. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and I'll learn, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Living freely and lightly. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Like, not burdened by the weight of the untrue soundtracks that resonate in our minds over and over and dictate our behavior. We are invited to rest in him. But trying to do that and trying to change our soundtracks based on our willpower is not sustainable. And willpower is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. The only problem is, we do, we need willpower, I'm going to talk about this in a second. We need willpower, but the problem is that willpower is a diminishing resource. So neurologists and psychologists are are talking a lot about the different levels of desire that we have, right? Like there's that first level of desire, which is the thing that you want right in front of you, right? So you you, you go downstairs, there's a donut on the table, and you want to eat the donut, right? And why do you want to eat the donut? Because it's it's a donut. Like who doesn't want to eat a donut? It's delicious. It's frosted. It has sprinkles. Are you guys getting hungry? So uh, it's a donut. You want to eat the donut. That is your first level desire. Then you have a second level desire that doesn't want to eat the donut. Why? Because you want to run a marathon. Or you have diabetes and you want to keep your sugars under control. Or you're trying to stay healthy and stay fit. There's a second level desire that says, I don't want to eat that donut. Now, Willpower is a diminishing resource. How do I know? Because I know when I'm in the morning, when I wake up and I go downstairs or whatever it is, 7, 8 in the morning, uh, it is easy for me not to eat the Snickers bars that are in my kids Halloween baskets. However, if you catch me at 730 at night, it's just me on the couch covered with Snickers wrappers. All right? What happened? What changed? Between the morning and the evening, but for the fact that willpower is a diminishing resource. However, what what we are being invited into here is transformation. We need willpower because I need to start sometimes with behavior. These things come together. However... What transformation, what the Spirit is doing in you as we create the conditions for that is he's replacing your first-level desire and your second-level desire and making your first-level desire that which he desires for you. Like Gordon Fee said, what you were intended to be. And it feels like it's a long ways off. And friends, I would encourage you with this. It is because it takes time. That's the reason why there's all these fruit metaphors. It's because it takes time. But God's promises are true. That in fact, if we just take what is asked of us, if we just take a step into that pedicab and sit down and put our faith in the one who is riding it, he will do the work of transforming us. And if we would, yes, use our willpower Make the choice to take a step to try to identify unhealthy soundtracks and let them cha- and, and change them and replace them with one that is healthy. We should do that. That is good and that is right. But I promise you, friends, it will become lasting. It will become second nature. It will become your default position to have healthy soundtracks. But it takes time. It takes time of the work of the Holy Spirit transforming you and that's not just some meta idea. It is in fact that if we, if, we, if we create this space for the Spirit of God to do that in you and through you, you will be changed. One teacher I like constantly re- re- reiterates this adage where he says, if we want to become like Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And Jesus' lifestyle was one that created space, created the conditions for the Spirit to do its work. Jesus was the one who would constantly be stealing away. I was just talking with someone backstage about how how easy it is in September and, and coming into the fall and now coming into the holidays for us to get so busy that our heads are spinning. And friends, like, I'm preaching to myself here. You know, I'm I'm sitting back here and, you know, I work, I I try, it's so important to me that as I share these things that God is downloading this into my own heart before I bring it to you. And I will tell you that I am on this journey with you. That in this season, things feel so busy that there is no time, there is no space. But if we want to become like Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And what Jesus did, his life was marked by creating space to be in the presence of God. Jesus got baptized and then he went 40 days into the wilderness alone with God. And that's when he was at his strongest and he finds himself being tempted by the devil and he stands up to him. Why? Because of the strength that came from the space that he created to allow the spirit to work in and through him. In Mark chapter chapter 6, Jesus separates from the people who have been following him to go and be in God's presence. In Matthew 14, Jesus goes to be alone with God, to process his grief after his cousin is is executed. He's just known time and time again to create the space for the Spirit to work in him. And friends, I know we want these soundtracks to change in our mind, but what is it going to look like for us to create the conditions for the Spirit to do that work in you? It takes a lot of the pressure off. You do not need to to be the one that changes this. There's this misconception that we are the ones that are responsible for our spiritual growth. But the Spirit is the one that does it in us. We are responsible to make the choices, a thousand choices, to create the conditions and open ourselves up and let him do that work in us and through us. So I know Robert put out this awesome challenge. I was super challenged by this um, last week. To do the daily examine. To enter God's presence. To review the day with gratitude. To pay attention to your inner world. Focus on one or two moments and look forward to the day with God. I know he was challenging us to to take 15 minutes and do this every day for the rest of of this series. Um, Have you been able to do that? And you know what? Don't let the soundtrack that says, oh, no, I haven't been able to. I'm so ashamed. I know, like, our pastors are saying, do this, and I'm not doing this. And, like, I'm, so, I'm not good at this whole following Jesus thing. Don't let those soundtracks that are untrue and unhelpful and unkind stifle what God has for you next. Okay? Because today is the best day to, to start, to find some time. Take 15 minutes alone with God and journey through this process. Create the space. Don't miss this. Don't let it pass you by, friends. All the soundtrack stuff is a waste if we try to do it on our own. But the soundtracks can change. They will change because the Spirit is changing you. He's strong enough. So let's do our part to create the conditions for him to do that work. He promised that he will, and his promises are always true. They're always helpful. They're always kind. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So God, we're so grateful. For the fact that you are the one who is changing us from the inside out. And you are the one who even empowers us to create the conditions to allow for you to do that. So God, I pray that you would meet with us in a special way. God, what is it that you're, you're pricking on our hearts? Let Let soundtracks of shame and guilt and avoidance not overtake the soundtracks that you are inviting us into. That as we create space for you to permeate and dwell in every corner of our hearts, and as we remain in and abide in you, the vine, that you your nutrients into us and you change us from the inside out and fruit begins to pop out from us. Fruit of joy and peace and love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and and all of these things that you promised. You you are so faithful and we are so grateful that you are the one who is working in us and through us. So God, I pray for our church family together that you would be the one that does this. Would you cause us to create the space for you to do that work in us and through us? Would we encourage each other richly toward that end we love you we thank you and we bring all this to you in the strong name of jesus Amen. if you enjoyed the sermon want to learn more about jesus or get to know our community please visit beacon.church to get connected we would love to hear from you